Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Talk Radio's Drive Time. I'm Dan Wooten, and we're covering the continuing coronavirus pandemic. Dan's Dispatch on Talk Radio. So our march towards an authoritarian COVID state grows faster by the day. Wales will lock down entirely for two weeks, despite hard evidence that such a measure is not associated, I repeat, not associated with decreased COVID-19 mortality. Meanwhile, you may have missed this, but it slipped out quietly over the weekend that police are being given access or they could be given access to your personal data from the NHS Test and Trace app. That's the biggest own goal of the crisis so far, in my opinion, because all it's going to do is encourage people to delete that app from their phone as quickly as possible. But as Big Brother attempts to track our movements to ensure COVID compliance, an altogether more disturbing trend is emerging when it comes to how the rich and the powerful are impacted by this virus. Britain's elite seem to believe the draconian rules they are opposing on us mere mortals do not apply to them. It's becoming the ultimate example of do as I say, not as I do. So there's Tony Blair dining out at a posh restaurant after returning from the US, refusing to adhere to the strict 14-day quarantine, just like Kanye West before him. There's another former Labour leader, Jeremy Corbyn, flouting the laws all the time, despite the fact he is personally in a vulnerable age group. There's pious health secretary, Matt Hancock, who seems to take great pleasure in preaching to us all on a daily basis about the freedoms we need to give up. But he's refusing to answer whether he downed booze in Parliament after the 10pm curfew he is enforcing on the hospitality industry. And then there's the SNP's shameless Margaret Ferrier, who slammed Dominic Cummings for driving with his sixth wife and son in a car to seek refuge when he had COVID. But when she got the virus, Nicola Sturgeon's closest ally didn't give a damn about infecting the rest of us. Ferrier, remember, refused orders to self-isolate and hopped on a train from London to Scotland. Her justification for doing that was that COVID had clouded her brain. Well, I've had the virus too. Ms. Ferrier, and the one thing that I was absolutely certain of is that I was not going to set foot outside of my own front door and pass it on to anyone else. Have the police taken action? Of course not. Has Ms. Ferrier resigned as an MP? Of course not. So she remains a stain on the SNP, Sturgeon's SNP. But look, it's becoming increasingly obvious to me there is one rule for our leaders and another rule for folk like us, which is going to make it pretty difficult for our political leaders as they try to curb our civil liberties and freedoms with increasingly ridiculous measures not backed up by any science. There's only one figure that should be dominating the headlines today. Official statistics have shown that at least 26,000 poor souls, 26,000 poor souls, have died at home since the March lockdown because they wouldn't or couldn't go to hospital. 
that is the true cost of these ongoing lockdowns. And if we continue with our current policy approach, it's only going to get worse. So where do you stand on this? Do you agree with that decision by the Welsh Government to impose a very strict two-week lockdown on its population from this Friday? The rules for Wales actually are going to be incredibly tough, incredibly tough. It's, it's, it's much tougher than even the Tier 3 lockdown. For two weeks in Wales, you will follow strict stay-at-home orders from Friday, will be told to. Pubs, restaurants and all non-essential retail will be closed. There will be no meeting with anyone outside your household. No alcohol sales after 10pm. Leisure centres and services, including gyms, will have to close. Hairdressers and beauty services will have to close. And there will be no gatherings allowed outdoors including Halloween and fireworks on bonfire night. And let me repeat, this will not decrease the COVID mortality rate. Talk radio across the UK on DAB Digital Radio and online. Drive time with Dan Wooden on Talk Radio. And of course, there is gathering medical evidence that lockdowns don't work at all. Dr. Matt Strauss, who is an assistant professor of medicine at Queen's University, Ontario, and a former medical director of the critical care unit at Gulf General Hospital in Canada, has written a fascinating piece for The Spectator, where he writes, As a medic, my verdict is clear. Mandatory government lockdowns amount to a medical recommendation of no proven benefit, of extraordinary potential harm that do not take personal values and individual consent into account. Physicians who call for their use should hearken back to these core planks of their ethical training. And Dr. Matt Strauss joins me now. It was such a powerful piece, Dr. Strauss, and I think one of the lines that really stood out to me was when you said, that if lockdowns were a prescription drug for COVID-19 treatment, you say they would actually never be approved by the US Food and Drug Administration because of the harm that lockdowns cause. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I tried to draw out in that piece is that um, uh, originally we didn't know so much about COVID-19. And so the lockdowns were proposed on the basis of mathematical models, but we would never release drugs to the market based on mathematical models. I understand COVID-19 was entirely new and that's all we had, but now we have real data. We have real data to show that comparing countries based on uh, on their lockdown status does not um, prove that they have any mortality benefit whatsoever. So why do you think governments, including the government of, of the UK at the moment, and we've just heard that Wales will be plunged into a two-week total national lockdown from this Friday. Why do you think governments have put lockdowns at the top of their list in terms of a COVID solution? The shortest answer, I think, is the madness of crowds. Um, I think that there's uh, a fair amount of panic. I feel like the uh, the sense of do something, uh, well, this is anything, we'll do that then, uh, is what's really going on. Um, in my own country, in Canada, um, generally, public health was not in favor of these sorts of things, and it was kind of outraged social media mobs um, that forced their hand a little bit. So I think in d- democratic countries, to some extent, we, we get the leadership we deserve. Um, and it is now time for those of us who are experts uh, to look at the data and, and try to talk some facts and reason back to the back to the panicked crowd. And as you say, we have learned a lot now. I know it's still early days in terms of COVID-19. 
but 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 you do make the point that actually we don't need to rely on these mathematical models anymore because there is enough hard and fast information that we can use to realize these lockdowns are not successful and they haven't been successful anywhere in the world i think that uh, i think that i'm i'm open to new information and new evidence as it comes out science is always in progress what the the paper i quoted uh that was published by lancet in my spectator piece um is the first and so far obviously the best paper to, to, to look at these differences. And so I'm, I'm open to the fact that somewhere, some form of lockdown might work. Um, but given the incredible harms that lockdown can potentially cause and is causing, um, we, need, we need stronger evidence. We, we need to prove that it works before we um, strip people of their civil liberties. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's important we talk about that, that piece in, in The Lancet that you mentioned because it was in August... It was analysis of data from 50 countries and the researchers found that full lockdowns were not associated with decreased mortality from COVID-19, which is a stunning finding, really. It's stunning. And and I have not seen this paper, which, again, is published by very serious researchers. Uh, I haven't seen it discussed in the press at all. The press is addicted to these mathematical models. Absolutely. Absolutely. But actually, is it not about governments looking to scientists to provide them a politically popular answer? Because I have to be honest with you, the population is very scared in lots of countries, including in the UK, which means that on the whole, public polling is very positive about the idea of lockdowns. Uh, Yeah, I think that um, a lot of that is from media narrative. Uh, I think that politicians have the ability and, and, and media conglomerates have the ability to sort of choose the experts that they would like to hear from. Um, in discussions with a colleague of mine, I was saying like, science is not a student council election. The, the popular scientists or, the, or the, the, the scientists who make it onto television are not necessarily the ones who are right. And so that's part of why I'm very proud to be part of the Great Barrington Declaration, um, which is was written by um, very serious epidemiologists at Harvard, Stanford, and Oxford, um, to kind of say, like, there, there actually is a diversity of viewpoints in the scientific community. Um, and uh, I, I do think that cable news in North America, I, not as clear on the situation on your side of the Atlantic, uh, but has peddled kind of a uh, constructed, constructed narrative of all scientists agree with one thing or the other. Oh, absolutely. And and they're covering up the Great Barrington Declaration, actually, which I think is anti-science. We had uh, Professor Jay uh, Batagaria, one of the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration, on the show last week. And, and he said that if big tech and if the mainstream media continues not to cover the declaration and the aims of the declaration, it actually proves that they're being anti-science. But look, let's, let's just talk personally, though, for a second, because you say you have personally admitted uh, dozens of elderly people to hospital with illness resulting from social isolation and neglect. Some, you say, were literally starving to death, including a patient in her 80s who lived in a retirement community but relied on family members to feed her meals. And when they were banned from the premises, she couldn't feed herself I mean, this is the heartbreaking personal cost of lockdowns too, is it not? Uh, absolutely. And, I, and and the image of that woman coming to hospital with biochemical evidence of starvation uh, will stick with me for a long time. And and there are so many more stories that I have. Like, I'm a, I'm a life support specialist. I've looked after about 
eight uh, critical care patients on ventilators who had COVID-19. Uh, eight, and all, all eight of those were tragic, but I, it's dozens and dozens and dozens of elderly folks I've seen with lockdown problems rather than COVID-19 problems. I, I, uh, I looked after a man who was uh, in, in a coma from depression um, that's called catatonic depression. I'd read about it. I'd never seen it before until the lockdowns. And, and that happened to him after he spent three months completely isolated. I looked after an elderly woman who tried to kill her grandchildren. She had a psychotic break. She was locked in a small house with many grandchildren. And she was initially admitted to psychiatry, but then had a, a heart attack. So I was seeing her then. And she was saying, this wasn't me. I would never do that. I I, I don't remember it. My, my mind literally cracked. So, um, uh, and then... So these are real health outcomes that are not showing up on the COVID-19 case graphs uh, that that you see on the news. But beyond the health outcomes, there's just uh, suffering and and loss of meaning in life. So if you tell me that we can't have a funeral for my father, that means something um, that isn't a mortality statistic. Um, If you uh, if you cancel my wedding, that means something that isn't a mortality statistic. Uh, so, and, and the worst, so my, my wife is also a doctor and she's come home from work crying because she had to tell someone that we didn't let your, we didn't let you see your loved one for the last three weeks. And they suddenly died of what they were here with. And so you have no chance to say goodbye. And in in fact, we're not going to let you come see the body. Um, and she describes those families absolutely wailing on the phone and, and she describes that she will never forget that sound. So. Uh, there's so much suffering and distress that we need to account. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Four. Talk Radio. Drive time with Dan Wooden on Talk Radio. First, though, two-week entire national lockdown in Wales. Why? Where's the evidence it's going to work? Chris Bryant is the Labour MP for Rontha in South Wales. He joins me now. Chris Bryant, there's no proof that a two-week lockdown is going to make a blind bit of difference to infection rates. That's your view, is it? Well, it's not view. It's not my view. It's scientific fact. Go on, then prove it. Well, if you look at the analysis from every country that has gone to a full lockdown, there is no link, no link to decreased mortality. 
all this does is buy Wales some time. But for what, Chris? What are you buying time for? I don't understand. Well, you don't seem very bright then. It's fairly simple. Our local hospitals are absolutely rammed full. Um, at this time of year... What are the stats? Have... Give me the stats because the government's putting out false stats on this. My local ICU is 75% full. And how does that compare to last year? It's about double what it was this time last year. So you've still so... got 25% capacity. So, so, so... Yes, and, we're, and, it, and, it's, and it's filling very rapidly. And we now have the availability of a field hospital, which we set up as well locally. Um, but, the, but the truth of the matter, the difficulty about the field hospitals is you've got to staff them with exactly the same people who are staffing the, um, the, the normal hospitals. So it doesn't really buy you much additional space. And in, on top of that, we've had a major outbreak in my, in my local hospital of people contracting the virus in the hospital. So we've had about 130 cases and 35 deaths. Um, related to that in the hospital. So the real problem is that if we let... So you're saying the NHS is going to be overwhelmed. That's the argument, is it? Because I'm just trying to work out what the argument is for a total national lockdown. I don't know why you're so angry. Why? I'll tell you why I'm so angry. I'm incredibly angry today, Chris. You're very perceptive to pick up on that. I'm very angry because the death figures have been released by the ONS today showing that that there were 26,000 excess deaths of poor souls who died at home between March and the 11th of September because they were either too scared or not allowed to go to hospital. I passionately believe these lockdowns don't work, so I'm genuinely trying to understand why you're doing it. You're just shouting. You're just shouting. It's a a really tedious way of doing radio. Well, that's your opinion. But why didn't you answer the question? You haven't asked the question. Well, I did ask the question. Where's the proof that this is going to work? Well, it's very difficult to prove into the future. However, if you, as I was trying to explain earlier, the main thing that we're trying to do in my part of the world, in South Wales, is we're trying to make sure that the NHS isn't overwhelmed. As somebody who's had cancer in the last 18 months, I'm painfully aware of the issue you raised about what happens to people who don't go and present to their doctors because they're frightened um, uh, uh, that they might contract COVID. Um, but the, the, the other side of that problem um, and we've done very well, actually, locally in trying to make sure that cancer is dealt with in a, co- in a completely COVID-free um, uh, setting using the private sector hospitals in Cardiff. Um, but, but the real danger is, of course, that if the NHS, if my local general hospital or the three hospitals that serve my area locally are overwhelmed and are completely full of COVID, which, is, which we're getting on for now at the moment, um, and then you try to add a little bit of flu, which normally comes at this time of year, there will be no space in the ho- in the hospitals to deal with any other medical condition whatsoever. So I actually I think your argument is a false one. Um, it's it's not a choice between these uh, trying to care for people who have other conditions as well and COVID. You have to deal with the COVID situation. Mm. You have to restrict the transmission of the virus if you're going to stand a chance of treating people for well, cancer. Look, we we condition. disagree on this point and on that point, And there are two different schools of scientific thought. So it doesn't mean I'm not bright. There are it really. means there's, there's well, there are actually science. Chris. There's one school of scientific thought, and then there's a load of crackpots on the other side. Are you joking me? So you're calling Dr. Sunitra Gupta? from Oxford University, a crackpot. You're calling uh, Professor Jay Batakuria from Stanford, one of the uh, top professors of medicine in all of the world, a crackpot. I mean, this is actually offensive, Chris. You do understand.
understand that that science has forever used uh, herd immunity in order to deal with these uh, to deal so with you, these coronaviruses. I really, believe, I really believe I really believe you need to read to her, herd immunity. Yeah, and protect protecting the vulnerable. And I really think you should read and the how Great do you Barrington. The vulnerable? Just tell, just take me through how you protect the vulnerable. Oh, there's a whole so load of, of ways infected. to do it, Chris. Chris, there's a whole load of ways to do it, and the Great Barrington Declaration spells it all out. But look, you're fun- a nutcase. You're a complete nut, and nutcase, oh, Chris, and you're dangerous as well, Chris. Do you know what? You can go off now. Get rid of this man, because actually we will not have people abusing people who have a different point of view. Talk radio across the UK on DAB Digital Radio and online. Drive time with Dan Wooden on Talk Radio. First, let me bring in Tom Howard with Howard's Headline. And Tom, of course, you found fame as one of the country's most prominent Brexiteers, despite the fact that most of us are entirely distracted with the fact that the country is in uh, an economic and health emergency as a result of COVID-19. There is big news on the Brexit front today. This is what Michael Gove had to say earlier in the Houses of Commons. Now, with just 10 weeks left until the end of the transition period, I have to emphasise that's not my preferred outcome, nor is it the Prime Minister's. We recognise that there will be some turbulence, but we've not come so far to falter now when we are so close to reclaiming our sovereignty. We have to be in control of our own borders, our fishing grounds, we have to set our own laws. We have to be free to thrive as an independent, free-trading nation. Tom Howard, what's going on? Is this political brinkmanship or is the government really prepared to walk away? Well, this is proper negotiation. For the first time in, what has it been now, four years since that vote, for the first time we are seeing a government negotiating from a position of strength, saying we don't need you, the EU, as much as you think that we do. We are willing and preparing to walk away with no agreement. And if you want an agreement, you come to London and you talk to us, not vice versa. And this is what many people in this Brexit debate, many Brexiteers, had been willing the government to be doing for the three wasted years that we negotiated under Theresa May. And finally, we have a government that is now standing strong for the country, saying that we're not going to take any uh, terms that the EU offers, saying that the condition of a deal has to be the independence of this nation, the ability to set our own rules, to set our own tariffs, to set our own laws. And if the EU isn't going to offer that, then quite frankly, they can go away. An Australia-style deal, Tom, What do you say to people who say, oh, that's going to be bad for our economy? Well, I think Michael Gove today in the chamber was the first to admit that it would present bumps in the road. If we don't have a continuity of trade, that means that obviously there's going to be preparations that need to be made, adjustments that are going to need to be made. But that doesn't doesn't all mean that it's a bad thing, because there are many opportunities that that presents to us, of course, uh, the the regulatory freedom that we will be gaining, the uh, new trade deals that we'll be striking with other countries further afield in the parts of the world that are actually growing as opposed to this sclerotic, small, old world part of the world. And so, yes, no deal or an Australia-style arrangement where you have, for example, some limited um, agreements when it comes to security and that sort of thing, but no, no overarching free trade agreement. Of course, that offers some challenges, but it does offer opportunities as well. And the biggest opportunity, of course, is finally fulfilling that mandate properly, unreservedly, taking back control over 
money, borders, laws and trade. And that promise finally is so close and it's so good to see the government absolutely resolutely committing to it. Well, yeah, because the point is, Tom, yeah, it might pose challenges to us. Of, of course it would. But it also poses significant challenges to the EU, especially France. Absolutely. France has been one of the most worried countries about this when it comes to fishing, because it turns out that um, French fishermen actually use British waters far more than they use their own waters. And so, of course, if we take back complete control of that and have no negotiation, no agreement with the EU, then that is going to, in an area like fishing, massively disadvantage the EU and massively advantage the UK. Of course, there are other sectors where the tables have turned, but actually what we saw just before the European Council summit last week on Wednesday night was a group of trade bodies from Europe, the equivalents of the CBI from uh, from Italy, from France and from Germany coming together, writing a letter for the European Commission saying, look, thousands, hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of jobs on the continent depend on our trade with Britain. So please sign a deal with Britain, otherwise our jobs on the continent will go. And this is the first time really that we've seen such a, a, a big intervention from those players in Europe who are really begging for a deal. And hopefully the European Union will see sense, the Commission will make the concessions that need to be made to get that agreement over the line. And there is still a chance that we will leave with a Canada-style free trade agreement uh, on happy terms at the end of the year. And you think Theresa May, our former Prime Minister, showed her true colours today, Tom? She absolutely did. Now, people like me for years and years toured TV studios saying, we are, we are not in control of this process. You can't blame Brexiteers for what's going on because we don't have a Brexiteer as Prime Minister. Whatever she says in sound bites, she's doing a very different thing in practice. And we saw today those true colours absolutely come through when the, the former Prime Minister made a, a very um, ill advised intervention really if you're if you're an elder statesman if you're someone who's sort of trying to hold the respect of the office of the former office of prime minister you don't want to be um really showing yourself up in the way that Theresa may did today it was a it was sad to see because she ripped into what was formerly at least publicly her old policy she said repeatedly no deal is better than a bad deal and yet in the chamber today she was standing up saying as if no deal was the worst thing in the world, um, denigrating her former policy, denigrating her mm. former cabinet colleagues. Uh, it was really quite mm. sad. Well, to we see knew she never believed colours. it, though, didn't we, Tom? We knew it. Oh, we did. And to be honest, it's a bit gratifying, finally, that more people are cottoning onto this. It really did matter how you voted in that 2016 referendum. And it was a massive historic mistake of this country to install a prime minister who didn't vote the way that most of the country did. <laughs> Talk Radio. Drive time with Dan Wooden. On Talk Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I should tell you to subscribe to this podcast because in these times of national corona crisis, we're still going to be with you every day on Talk Radio, breaking news on the virus, bringing you the most important newsmakers with practical advice you really need to know and hearing your opinions too. I'm not allowing any hysteria. But I would love you to contribute and tune in live every day too for so much more on Talk Radio between 4pm and 7pm every day. Talk to you tomorrow.